All right, friends, welcome back to Nick and Dan's Bible Study Podcast. We are hopefully, Nick, uh, wrapping up Colossians today. Who knows with us, right? But that's the goal. Should we be kind to our audience and say we're only going to go like 40, 45 minutes today or what? I find that making promises that are hard to keep isn't really the wisest thing. (laughs) We talk about trying to be people of integrity, right? Okay. Let your yes be yes and your no be no and don't make, you know, whatever. So, but Nick, by the time anybody uh, is listening or watching this, they'll know, we'll know how long it's going to be when it ends and they can click on it and see the length. So. We'll, uh, we'll try to make, however long it is, it's going to be worth it. That's the goal. And, you know, I, I think it's inter- interesting because we were talking before we, we started recording about how last week we went 50 minutes and we only covered like this very short portion, yeah. but it was so deep. Like it, it was, you know, just a few verses. Um, it was so meaningful to the core of the letter uh, about yeah. how, how he's, he's, you know, Paul's really just turning, turning the view of society upside down in this letter. Yeah, I mean it, it. It does, but you have to see it. And I and I I think Nick, this is why it's so important that I I believe we really have to have this kind of gospel, you know, Jesus hermeneutical key. This th- that we understand, we bring that lens, that Jesus lens, to all these scriptures because otherwise we've seen people that have kind of messed it up. Right. They said, oh, instead we've gotten to whatever. We need to get back to this major hierarchical structure. That's the problem. We've drifted away. And I think, I I truly believe that what Paul is trying to do here is bring that Jesus kingdom perspective to all these areas of life and structure and things and say, uh, what does it look like to plug you as a, as a disciple of Jesus into this structure? And how does it, how do you look different? from the other, you know, Roman, that's not a Jesus follower in the same position. How do you, how does it, how does following Jesus shape your place in, in the Roman family, in the Roman marketplace, you know, in the Roman world? And I, I think it's supposed to radically change it. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does to the point where it's going to rock somebody's faith. Right. And even as today, like if you, if you believe in the words of Jesus Christ, you're going to act different. You should act differently. You should look differently than your neighbor. Um, and, and even today we see so many people who, who, who like take, take what Jesus taught, but they don't have faith that in fact, it's God's hand that's going to make stuff happen. Or they, they, they twist it to fit what their worldview is. And that is, you know, I've got to fight for my place in society or whatever it is. And if you read this, I mean, this is a consistent message. Not only was Jesus consistent, but now Paul's sort of reemphasizing the fact that, yeah, you, you live, you, you don't, you don't fight for your place in society. You fight for your place in the kingdom. And that's what this looks like, right? Yeah. You love people, you respect people, you, you know, you live at peace. Um, and in that comes the power and the authority knowing and the peace and the, and the contentment knowing that we're living our lives for the kingdom and not for, you know, our civic government or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think really, um, the, the, the default problem is living our lives primarily for ourselves, for our, for our selfishness, for our own carving ourselves out. And that's why, you know, we didn't really have time to do it. I didn't take the time on, on Tuesday, we had a live discussion. I I had pulled up one of the, um, you know, I mentioned in the podcast, the different, um, household codes, uh, and Aristotle, a very famous Greek philosopher, he had his own version of exactly what Paul's writing here. Um, to there, the same kind of, you know, pieces, husbands, wives, kids, slaves, and that. But, you know, the language is used like for husbands, 
in those other documents, it's like rule over. Your job is to rule over, you know, you, to exert authority, you know, to kind of, you know, make sure, make sure that people, you know, do what's supposed to be done, line up and fit together. And when you take that and then you read uh, the primary instruction to husbands, love your wives. Right. Right. So like that to us is like, well, yeah, that's basic. Right. But it's like that wasn't necessarily the primary idea in the culture of what a husband was supposed to do. Right. It's, it's control, you know, it's yeah. power, a lot of that. And he says the most important thing you can do as a husband is to love your wife. Um, you know, not be harsh. You know, there's this, I just had a conversation outside of obviously our podcast. I do that from time to time. I have conversations outside of our podcast. Um, but I was talking to somebody about how, you know, this misunderstanding of man and woman as God created and God's created design, this misunderstanding often leads to a lot of confusion in how to read scripture as well. Right. So what you're talking about is there's a lot of people out there that do see even this as lording over. Yeah. And, you know, a rightful reading of this is never, it's never about lording over. It's about this partnership in the household. Um, it's about, you know, again, certainly women's respecting their husbands, the husband respecting their wife, loving, you know, loving each other. Um, but it's a balance of, I'm going to, you know, my, this is now Nick kind of shooting off here on his thing, but it, it, it's a balance of respect based on the gifts that each one of you bring to the table. Right. So just because the husband may be a strong administrator doesn't mean he has the right to lord over, right? Yeah. Maybe the woman has the the administrative skills and she's the one that keeps the checkbook and, you know, basically calls the budget and everything else. That's a, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, you know, now when one starts to lord over the other, now you you start to get into that whole fallen world problem, I think. So Yeah. Well, yeah, when it's when it's about me, it, when it's about power and control, yeah. It's always outside of the kingdom. In my, right. my understanding, right? The kingdom right. of God is not about power and control. Let me control you. But that very much is the baseline, is the norm of sinfulness, but also of so much of society and even politics and business and everything else. And we see, if, if you see that as the baseline, and, you know, sometimes, Nick, too, in culture, and this maybe is a kind of a big conversation to get into, uh, a lot of times what we hear is Christian people saying part of the problem is that we're too soft. Part of the problem is that our discipline isn't strict enough, isn't physical enough, you know, but I mean, how often do you see like a Facebook, you know, back, I got my butt beat, you know, with a paddle all the time and, and I turned out good. And now we're too soft on kids. We don't beat the crap out of them anymore. And uh, I mean, and that's a whole big conversation, right? Right, right, right. I'm not right, trying to right. provide the answer for that, but it kind of gets a little bit out of philosophy of the problem. The problem is that we're not you know, we're not physical enough. We're not direct enough. We don't use enough of our power. Um, and I think it's, it's just a little bit different of a mindset um, when you kind of come to these things here. And it's not that there's not a place, okay, for, for discipline by any means and that kind of stuff. Um, but when that's a mindset and that, you know, that, that's also that mindset taken to an extreme is where spousal abuse takes care. You know, if it's my job to keep things in line, if you're not in line, I'm going to beat you into line. Right. Because my job is to exert power and control, you know, to, to, to keep things in line. And that, and that, and then you have this and it says, you know, you got to be a good manager. You got to keep, you know, you do, this all matters, but there's a different way to do it. Right. There's a different way to do it. Now, um, 
you know, as now in Christ. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it, love your wife so much that you are willing to be the spiritual head of the household and teach the things you're supposed to teach, love your children so much that you're going to teach them the way of the kingdom, even if it's hard. Um, even if, you know, cause a lot of times with our kids, you know, God has blessed the family where their kids didn't rebel just a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. uh, most of our kids are going to go through a period of maybe rebellion. And what's our response to that? Well, I mean, I like to look at it and say, the first question is how well did you raise them? Right. Own that. And yeah. then did you teach them the things that Christ taught us to teach our kids? The things that, you know, um, old, uh, old Testament scripture would highlight as so important, um, on how to raise your kids. Did you do that? Yeah. But this whole idea again of, of, uh, I get it. You know, what is it? Save the spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah. Spare the rods. I, I, I get that. But you know, if you're taking that literally, you might have a problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean the, yeah. I mean, you gotta get to the heart, right? That, that discipline matters and it's not, it's not about just anything goes. None right. of this is about anything goes. This is about you know, how do we, um, you know, how do we raise kids? How do we become people ourselves and marriages that look like Jesus? Yeah. You know, and even we, we track through, you talk about the old Testament story, right? I mean, there's, um, God sent his people into exile. That was a painful experience, but that was the, that was the end of the, of the, all the prophetic warnings. Like, look, like you got to wake up. Look, 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 you know, it's not just like out of line and bam, you know, uh, for the most part, although there's some, there's some interesting stories, yeah. there too. but, um, all right, let's, um, you know, there's a lot here and, and I think maybe Nick, this is just a lesson that, you know, everything that we cover, there's always more, there's more to talk about. Right. And so we could go, I mean, <laughs> we could almost go back through this whole letter again and just talk about the things that we maybe didn't talk about or the other connections and things like that. And that's the beauty of scripture. Right. And there, there, there is a foundation. We talked a little bit about this before, again, we, before we turned on record, um, because I said, we, I don't, I don't feel like we really tied it back to some old Testament stuff as much as we could have. But like Dan said, that's, that's like going through the book all over or the letter all over again. Yeah. You could spend a whole, and this whole books that do that, there's, you know, commentary of the new Testament use of, uh, of the old Testament, right. You know, go through each and every one of these things and say, okay, let's go back and see what's being referred to. Or, and here's the thing, Nick, but like when we see like the quotations, like when those, you know, as, the prophet says, or as has been written and you have it in quotes and you know what it is. Okay. There's all that, but there's so much more than that. There's so many illusions and illustrations. And you know, the, the book that you and I just uh, recently read the mission of God. There's so many more of those connections that I've not even seen. It's like when Jesus does that, boom, that's pure Moses. That's pure, right. that's, you know, that's Deuteronomy, but right. it's not like he's not quoting Deuteronomy, but he's, he's enacting it. You know, uh, aspects of this, of the same, the same phrasing and the wording and the teaching that people that are dwelling in that scripture are going to pick up on these things more and more as time goes on. Right. And as we've said so many times, a lot of being able to, to make those connections is what sets the context, right? So, you know, a lot of people like to read the Bible literally. Well, that's great. If you, if you're reading it literally within the context of, you know, understanding that, um, you know, Christ did well in his temptation where Israel didn't like, it, you know, right. you got to be able to make connections of the, the breadth and the depth of the sacrifice, the breadth and the depth of the lessons that Christ taught um, to really understand that, that, 
when when the scripture speaks about how we're supposed to live, when when the scripture speaks about how we're supposed to set the sort of the frustration and the malice and and the anger aside, it's there's no wiggle room there, right? That's not to say it's instantly going to go away. It's not to say we don't have to work on those skills, but there's no wiggle room that that should not be present in your character. Well, you just find other you just find other verses to go to when <laughs> you just avoid those ones. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but again, it's always in the context. It's like in too many Christians nowadays, um, you know, they, they've created their form of Christianity, but it's not Christ's form of Christianity. So, well, and again, we're not, we'll ne we're never, I mean, if you interpret what we're saying as um, sort of soft and ineffective, that, then we need to clarify because that's not at all. Neither one of us would agree to that. Well, some people, that's what, I mean, that's some people's view though. But I mean, if you get, you get to look at, Look at Jesus and whatever it is that he is, is who we want to be. Now you can call it soft. You can call it hard. You can call it whatever you want. I don't care what you call it. If it looks like Jesus, that's for us. Yeah. Right. Because some people would, some people would say, you know, the turn the other cheek that that's soft. I don't think that it is. I don't either. I think it's anything, but, but for right. some people, it depends on what your definition is. Right. You know, if they, they, if they say, you know, you should kill them or slap back or whatever, like that. Yeah, like it seems like it's harder, whatever. I mean, it feels like it's more whatever, but are we lining up Jesus according to like values that we hold or are we placing the the values that we hold from Jesus? Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, what's the cart before the horse here on that. You know, I think Jesus is probably the, the, the strongest, you know, and best course ever. Like that's ought not to be controversial, right? Right. So whatever he does is, you know, for, for it, the people who follow him, it shouldn't be controversial. Is that? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, but we've, we've got a, I mean, Nick, there's this whole history of stuff to, in the church for us to, to do business with. I mean, I read uh, this book, Jesus and John Wayne, which is, it's a little bit controversial, but she tracks back through things and says, you know, a lot, when you look at it, what a lot of evangelical Christians have said over the past couple decades, really, we want more of the guy, you know, with the gun who's going to kill his enemies than we want Jesus. Sometimes we got to just be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, some places and maybe not others, and it's not a blanket statement, but it's, uh, we just, we, we have to just keep coming back to Jesus and saying, well, what's going on here. So let's, um, let's move into the final kind of section here of this letter. Um, you and I were chatting beforehand we could we didn't really dive in depth into the uh, in, into all the detail of the instruction with the slaves and the ma There's so much there um th but there again there's so much in all of it right uh, so and again right as we continually say our hope is you know fall fall in love with the scripture keep coming back to the scripture it's not about oh okay well now i know i can move on it's like no now i can open colossians from chapter one, verse one. And hopefully as I read it, I have more information to work with, more context to work with, and I can go deeper than I could before. That would be a win for me. Right. Yeah, and, and and again, as you're, as, as people strive to grow deeper in their understanding of scripture, every time you understand one book a little more, a bit more deeply, yeah. it is literally going to change your understanding of every book. Right. Like all of a sudden there's going to be this awareness, you know, um, when, when you strive with all your heart to find, 
you know, God, God is going to find you and you are going to grow deeper in your understanding. And as you grow deeper in your understanding, you know, I often laugh and say when I, just about when I think I'm on the, the cusp of getting it, <laughs> like, it's like you cross it, that peak and then there's another one. <laughs> seriously, getting it usually means, okay, now I understand what I don't know. And yeah. now I can actually start the journey. I mean, it's like you, you just constantly go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and I don't say that in a way that gets, you know, don't think, uh, uh, maybe too heady, but, um, that's where the transformation comes. That's where it starts to really seep in and suck down into your soul where you're like, yeah. Whoa, I didn't give this passage enough respect. Yeah. You know, now that I understand it, man, oh man, that's going to change my life. So how do we, how do we, um, assess that like in ourselves and in others, you know, you and I, are both part of a of a group now that kind of looks at people that are in the process of becoming, you know, ordained to become teachers and, you know, pastors in the church. And, you know, really what's easier to measure is what what do you understand now? You know, what what yeah. what point have you gotten to that we understand now? But how do you measure the trajectory that somebody's on? It's kind of it's a little bit harder. You gotta kind of have to get an idea for their heart, right? Because it's not just about what you know now, but it's about what are you going to know, continue to know five or 10, 20, 30 years later on the track that you're on. Because sometimes we kind of act like there's these obstacles, like, okay, well, now once I learn this, now I know it and I'm done. Right. Like what you're just saying, oh, no, you're not done. Now you're like competent <laughs> enough to go deeper. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because my response to you is going to be, that's the telltale sign. You know, that person that shows up, and says, you know, I know all this, so I'm done. And then you start to probe what they know and you realize that their knowledge is kind of superficial. It's kind of not real deep. Yeah. And they're showing you no signs of being a lifelong learner. Well, how much do you love the God of all creation? I mean, like the one thing that's a reality is most of us don't know him very well. And we have to spend our lives, you know, really in his scripture, in his word, in the presence of the spirit, um, praying, fasting, doing all the disciplines, as we grow more like Jesus to understand the heart of God, right? Well, if, if you don't have a passion for all those things, you probably shouldn't be striving to be in a role where you're teaching other people about those things. Yeah. Right. Everyone should have this desire to, to go deeper. You know, when Dan recommends one of 100 books on any given day, you should have a desire to say, wow, that's interesting. I want to read that. <laughs> I'll pick one, one, I'd be happy like for two a year, Nick, people would pick two books a year, one every six months. There you go. That's a low, that's a pretty low bar, I think, but you know, um, well, this last one was pretty hefty. Let me tell you, that was a big book. That was a big book. Um, okay. So Colossians four, starting verse two, you want me to read or you want to read? I'll let you read. Okay. I'll let you read. You're the one Thank with all you. the, I will submit Nick. I will submit to your <laughs> desire to have me read at my request. <laughs> Uh, because I'm work, I'm working. I, I don't know how you fit into the Colossians three structure, but <laughs> all I know is you have all the switches, and I have no switches. So I have all the switches, but <laughs> but this is the lesson, Nick. Even though I have the switches, I'm still giving you the ability to tell me how to see that switches. You know, it's submitting submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. <laughs> all right, Colossians four verse two: Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Mm. 
pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Uh, be why, let me finish a paragraph. Uh, I, I, Nick, the temptation to stop every wor- stinking word to say something else about <laughs> it is overwhelming. Um, v- verse five, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Man, that paragraph. Mm. It's sort of like uh, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, just the end of the letter. He's just wrapping it up, whatever. But then on the other hand, it's like, whoa. Like a dog on a bone, Dan, for ah, me. Right. Like a dog on a bone for me. That passage is everything. Because again, you know, this is where maybe my my um, spirit of evangelism comes out, mm-hmm. where every relationship is an opportunity to share Jesus Christ. So in order to truly do that, you know, you, you, you know, you, you got to come at somebody with, um, how do I want to say it with respect? It gives them space. All right. Let's, let's back up. You get to, come getting, with, to understand what you already understand. This is why I stop mid verse. Cause you're, you're already at the, you're right at the second half. I want to talk about the first half. I, I and, and there's no <laughs> doubt the second half, the second half is what I'm going to dig into, but go okay, ahead. Well, let's do that. But just quick, more, more quickly. On the first half, here's the thing, Nick, and I've, I've looked at this passage many, many times over my Christian life. You probably have too. But here's the thing that I know, I'm, I think I'm seeing this for the first time right now, okay. having walked through this whole letter with you, is how much his closing here connects with his opening that we looked at. Remember, so the very first thing that he gets into is prayer. Right. His, pr- his prayer for them now he's saying, "You pray for me." You know how that kind of it kind of comes it kind of comes back around because the whole first section that we talked about in one of our episodes was about the prayer for their growth. You know, um, and now he's saying, you know, we and, and how devoted they are, Paul and his and his team is for the Colossians. Now he's saying, "I want you to be devoted to me in prayer." This is a relationship. This isn't this isn't stuff that flows downhill from Paul to them. Right. They're in they're in connection together. And just like they need and benefit from him, he needs and benefits from them. So it's I think it's really and, um, and the selflessness. I mean, when he prays for them, he prays that God's wisdom can fall on them. When he prays for himself, he prays that doors would be open and he can share the gospel. <laughs> well, and he says, Well, he's he's I'm sure he's I'm sure he's praying for himself in that regard and for the, his ministry. Right. But actually, I don't think he actually says in here that that's what I'm praying for myself. He says, I'm praying for you and I want you to pray for me. Right. So it builds that. I mean, obviously he right. wants them to pray for their own growth and he want and he's praying for his own opportunity. But m- more than that, he's shifting prayer away from self-centeredness mm-hmm. towards others, others centeredness. Right. Right. Instead of praying for what I want and what I need, he's saying, I'm praying for you. I want you to pray for me. Right. So that God is glorified. We're tied together in these bonds of love and relationship and that, and that we have this shared mission. Right. That the mission, we're on the mission together. Um, and so I think this is great, too. He talks about, you know, when they first and in, in that opening prayer in, in chapter one. Uh, since he heard about their faith, you know, since uh, so you s- started in Christ when you first trusted Christ. And now he's saying, 
everything that you've started with and heard about Christ and trusted Christ, now pray for me that more people would do what you did and experience everything that you're experiencing and then get caught up into the whole thing so that they can grow radically after Christ too, because that's how the kingdom expands. Right. Right. And that's how it works. So um, I just, I, I love that. Um, and, and Nick, it's such a throwaway too, but for us, but how often does thankful come up? Um, I want to, I'm going to do a search before Tuesday, even how often thankful comes up in this letter. Thanksgiving or thankfulness in all circumstances and whatever is such a, is such a repeated thing. Don't lose that here. Right. All right. Now let's pray for the, now let's, pray for, now let's talk about the open door for the message. All right. Now. now yeah. I mean, I, can I, can I talk about that now? Tag you're in. Can I, can I talk about that now? Because I love the fact that this, here's a guy who is in chains. He's in prison. He has lots to say, Hey, could you pray for me so that I could have an easier life? Could you pray for me so that I could get some warmth, some food? He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He never does that. It's always about who can I get this message to next? Right. Pray for that. That's the passion right. of my life. It's not about my comfort. It's not a lot about the illness I'm going through. It's not, it is about how can I get to the next person? Right. I mean, I love that. Yeah. And he mentions it and, and you know, he does, it, he mentions the chains, but he doesn't like, he doesn't dwell on it. He's like, Oh, like they really tight on my wrist and it really hurts. And he's, you know. he almost, I mean, he celebrates the chains. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, well, I'm yeah, sharing in Christ's, you know, Christ's uh, sufferings. Yeah. Right. Like I'm like, I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm all right. Like I'm going to be okay. You know, the one time they're in jail and he's, you know, I mean, Nick, if we went to jail, what would people think about us? You know, I mean, you go back to, and you look at, um, you know, the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King Jr. And still today, you know, people that will sometimes they're willing to go to jail and around the world, you know, Christians in China go to jail for, for gathering together with other Christians. Yep. Um, and they, because I think they get it so much more than we do. Like they're not, they don't say, woe is me. You know, I'm like, I don't deserve this and stuff. They say, all right, now I'm here. How am I going to grow? Who, who am I going to reach up? Prisons full of prisons, full of people that need Jesus. You know, thank God prison ministry from the inside. <laughs> you know, here I am. There um, you go. So, all right. What else? What else excites you in here? I know it's, there's a, well, I'm not even going to go to the next passage until you allow me to. So, you know, verse seven, you mean, or no verse five, but yeah, you can go there. Any, anything in this paragraph is now fair game. Okay. Okay. Is it wide open now? <laughs> I won't be taking it out. <laughs> yeah. Look, um, I'm always going to, to hold closely. And again, it goes back to the evangelism. I'm going to always hold closely on what matters in the kingdom and what matters in the kingdom. Scripture will repeatedly say, when you are dealing with people outside of the church, you have to lead with grace. You have to lead with mercy because they don't know, right? So you you can sit there and call them out as sinning all day long if you want to, but they don't know. And our responsibility is to bring the good word to them, the good news to them. And you don't start doing that with a baseball bat. And yeah. so, so much of what we talk about today in society comes, I, I believe it comes from a place of frustration where the church gets frustrated at what they're seeing out there. The church gets frustrated about how government's acting right now. And we lose sight of the fact that our role isn't to get frustrated over what we can't control. Our role is to go out there, bridge the gap, live with the sinners and show them, you know, be the salt and light. Um, as it says, uh, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Mm. You know, it is like, it is so consistent in scripture and yet so many churches get that piece wrong. Yeah. You know, we want to fight the issues, but we don't want to fight for the souls mm. and you can't mandate it. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of being the salt and light. And this goes back to what we were saying about the weakness or the strength. The strength of the gospel is in our passive, if you will, I don't think it's passive, but I'm going to say sort of the nonviolent way. Um, it's not confrontational. It, it, and yet it is. I mean, that's, yeah, this is, this is the greatest irony, right? It's not confrontational, but it is. I mean, you're going to hit somebody so deep, but you're not going to hit them with malice. You're not going to hit them with physical strength. You're not going to, you're going to hit them with something that's going to grab their soul. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, that's important, Nick, because I, I, I do think that, you know, sometimes we do, we do get soft, not in the way that I'm talking about, you know, physically with violence, but we, we do sometimes we are afraid to say a, to say a bold word. Well, let me give you an example um, that I just heard. I just heard yesterday. And this is a guy was talking about, you know, he, he works with a lot of college students and people that struggle with doubts and things that come from Christian homes and, and whatever. And he said he had this, he had this student that he was talking with and, and she was like, you know, I, I think that we've just kind of miss we've mischaracterized God. I think God is like, like this and that, and this is what God is real is really kind of like. And, and he said to her, he said, he said to her, um, it seems to me like you want God to look just like you, like just what you, like what you think and what you feel. And that, I mean, that's confrontational, right? Right. He basically told her, I think you're remaking God in your own image, but he said it gently and he said it kindly and he said it in love. And I, and I think it was received, you know, whatever. So that's, I mean, that's the point is like, we, we need to challenge people. But I think I think that scenario falls into this passage of scripture and the instructions that he's given here. So I'm curious though that story that you shared was in the church, right? Well, it was amongst somebody that believer a, to a believer, Christian professor and a, and, a, and a believer that was having a hard time with right certain aspects of the faith. You know, because actually that goes back to the point I was trying to make is there's a difference between how we interact with each other within the community of belief, right? So we believe supposedly the same scriptures. And so there's a different way of, of raising each other up when you go out of the church and into the world, they don't have that benefit. That's yeah, what I'm I, saying. So you're, you know, I it's the conversation like, would look different though. I would have that conversation with somebody that wasn't a believer and they say, I didn't yeah. got it. And I would say, I may it would maybe frame it a little bit differently, but that's the point you'd frame it differently yeah. because you'd be coming from a place where they don't understand as deeply as you do. Right. I've, right. Yeah. So, so I said, you know, in, in my words, um, and this is meaningful to me, I don't know if it will be to you or not. Within the church, we lead with truth and grace. Outside of the church, we lead with grace and truth. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think some of what some of some of the leading with grace involves being vulnerable and you know and, sh- and share. And that's what it becomes more of just saying, you know, like what what we default to so often people say is, well, you just gotta like like you're saying, we just gotta when they say something like that, you know, when people say, Well, I kind of like Jesus is cool, but I like Buddhism too. Right. And, 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 and what do we tend, what do we tend to do? Well, look right here. It says right here in scripture, I am the way, the truth and the life. And apart from me, you're going to hell. And that's what you need to know. Right. But that's not, that's not seasoned with well, grace thanks, and, dude. Salt and the, <laughs> you know what I mean? And all that, but, but here's, 
but it's not just saying, oh, okay, well, that's your opinion. I have my opinion. Go on your way. You don't have to do that either. Right. You know, there, there, there is another way that I think, um, we need to, we need to figure out, we need to, we need to discern. Um, and, and I had that, I had that conversation several years ago with somebody in the, in our youth ministry he said just that she's like, I, I think I want to be a Christian and a Buddhist, you know? So it's like, so, so how do you have that conversation? You know, that's great. I mean, that opens a door for, uh, that opens a door for a wonderful conversation. Actually. It does. Yeah. It's hard going. Good. Yeah. Right? It's right. not about how you respond in that moment, although yeah. it, to a degree it is, but it's how you respond in that moment will dictate whether that door stays open going forward. Right. And the moment isn't having the answer because maybe you would never thought about that uh, sure. any particular thing, but here's, here is the thing, Nick, how we respond to questions like that, I think matters. Right. The, the attitude and the perspective, you know, when yeah. we get ang- angry or upset or we just kind of you know, yell, start yelling at people about stuff, whether we're actually yelling or just quietly yelling. Um, you know, there's a particular posture that I th- really think we, we need to take and that it, it, it opens people up and it invites them in. And I think quick, that's kind of quick, to listen, quick to listen, slow to anger, quick, quick to listen, to listen slow, slow, to slow to speak, speak slow to become, right. Slow to become angry. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, people are, you know, Nick, I'm, I'm, walking that into this relationship with this Muslim family that I met. And we're just, the more we just are inquiring and talking, the more I'm learning and the more I'm getting to share. Right. I was to sit down with him and say, Hey, I have a booklet. Can I go through these steps with you and t- tell you like, I mean, I don't know that might have gone okay, but it's not authentic. Right. You know what I mean? And so by I'm asking him things, I'm saying, Oh, like you went to, you went to the mosque today. Like what did, what was the thing? What were they talking about? What were you learning? What were you thinking? How do you process that? And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, uh, here's what Jesus said about that. And Oh, that's, you know, it's <laughs> so we, I mean, we have great, we're, we're in, as time goes on, we're having better and better conversations because we're both showing the trustworthiness and as well into that relationship, then you can, you can bring challenges because as the relationship grows, the person can hear it. Right. You know? And so I, I think this, what we're talking about here is really instructive for, um, for our witness and our witnessing, if you will. Um, and our evangelism, I think Paul just loved to talk about Jesus. And he was a bridge builder. I've said this before. Our job as the church is to build bridges, right? Yeah. In order to present the gospel. Yeah. Right. It's not to water anything down in the relationship. It's just simply to live life. As you said, live life on life. We don't agree on this at the moment, but let's spend some time together. Yeah. Who knows yeah, where he goes? He goes to he goes to uh, you know he goes to Athens. He goes on Mars Hill and he says, yeah. oh, "Hey, here's your uh, here's your hip hop song lyric." And uh, isn't that interesting? Let's talk about that, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever. You know, here's here's what I saw on TV. Uh, you know, when I was in the hotel down the street there. What do you think about that? You know, you think that's true? <laughs> you know, um, so obviously I'm very much paraphrasing, but you know, to build to to ask people to think more deeply about things and. I don't know. It's just, I, I love this stuff. Um, all right. What else, what else in here do we want to um, dig into? Uh, I, I can't, again, I'm seeing the connections, Nick, and I can't help but thinking I see the mystery of Christ and I'm back into the beginning of the, the book again. He says, you know, what's revealed to us, the mystery of Christ, um, which is Christ in you. Right. And if that's the mystery, if that, if that's, a big part of the message, not just not only what Christ did, which is the entry thing, but the 
the hope, the new covenant reality of God's word written in our heart of Christ in us, if that's the case, then everything that we've just been talking about, however we present ourselves, is, is going to send a message one way or the other about what it looks like to be a Christian, what it looks like to have Christ in you. And, you know, if, if we're going to you talk about bearing the name, if we're going to wear a hat that says Jesus, however we present ourselves is going to bear his name. Right. And that's why we have to really go back to this whole letter in the beginning of chapter three. And we have to look like Christ because that's, uh, you know, that's part of the power. Uh, so be wise. I, and I still think too that people don't give enough uh, thought to God's ultimate um, charge to us. You know, like if we if we consider our lineage and and we decide, you know, if we see the connection that we are supposed to be a blessing to all nations, we are now part of that team to be a blessing to all nations, to be yeah. the salt and light, to be the alternative, to to show people how to live within the kingdom, that they can be attracted to the kingdom and want to live in that as well, to give honor to God, um, to know the one true God. All those things come in how we live our life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if we lose sight of that, because far too often when people put the road, you know, I talked about building bridges to the nations that don't yet know God and, and don't think mi overseas missionary. Now think your backyard, you know, think about all those people that you'd probably not want to associate with because they don't know God. Well, guess what? Your mission is to get them to know God. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the mission. So yeah, mission exists because uh, worship doesn't. That's kind of popped, you know, has, has popped up there through. But here's the thing, and maybe, you know, maybe I need a little uh, uh, admonishment or correction on this. When I, you know, when I kind of walk through the world or through the day, so to speak, my primary thing, my primary kind of focus isn't how can I have an opportunity to tell this person about Jesus? My first kind of line thing is how can I be a blessing? You know, how can I be a blessing to these people? How can I be a blessing yeah. where I go and where I do? And what I find that is if I lead with that and then you're, you're just aware then on, on the second tier of the opportunities, you know, to, to share Christ. Um, but it's not just, Hey, how can I, who's going to listen to what I have to say? Right. You know, it's how can I be a blessing? Um, and that I want to do that. And it's, and it feels good to do that. And I feel connected with God when I do that, when I want to bless people, but the more you want to bless people genuinely, the probably more people are going to be interested in what you have to say. You're going to be telling about Jesus, and then you're recruiting them to be a part of God's people who are then multiplying the blessing. So there's a, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole big picture here that's going. On. All right. So what are we going to do? Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Clear, clear, mm. Clarity can be a challenge sometimes, can it? Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. These are all admonitions, right? Let your conversation always be full of grace. What do you think that means? <laughs> Season with salt. I, I, you know, I think it, there's a, there's an understanding um, that you know, in this context, again, the Roman society was like so declaratively different so so contrary to what was being taught here that the expectation was hey 
people are not going to embrace what you have to say. People are not going to embrace what the way you have to live. Be gracious because you nullify everything. If you, you know, return fire kind of thing, it's, it's be gracious. This is not an easy job. I get it. I'm in chains. Yeah. Be gracious. Yeah. Well, and the more you understand the, the gift, uh, the grace of Jesus, right. And it flows through you. That's then that's just right. kind of becomes the reality. Right. So, yeah, well, we're for 40 minutes. Let's, uh, let's maybe wrap up. Um, you know, there's always stuff in the, in the concluding, um, thing here. Do you want to, uh, let me just, let me just read through and, and then it's, it's a lot of greetings to friends, <laughs> a lot of greetings to friends. Yeah. A lot of friends. Um, so what's the lesson there? Why is that scripture? Why is it in scripture? I think he lays out, uh, to a degree, those that can be trusted, those who are friends, those, you know, who are, are good examples. Yeah. You know, don't only follow me the way I follow, but maybe follow some of these people too. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why he lays that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, this isn't a solo endeavor. This is a team thing where, you yeah. know, we're all interconnected, um, where there's love shared. There's, you know, there's greetings back and back and forth people that, you know, that know you that are, you know, that are blessed and to know you and to want to share with you and all these things. Um, um, coworkers, you know, in the kingdom of God and, uh, you know, you have verse 12, a, 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 a Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. You know, how would that, how would that make someone feel? You know, that's, he's, he's always good. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God. Again, that's what Paul said. Here's what we're praying. It's almost like maybe maybe Epaphras is the one that's always reminding Paul, "Hey Paul, let's get together and let's let's pray some more, you know, for the for these for these Colossians." Um, but again, the folks see the connections in this closing section to the first chapter in Colossians, right? See that that's mm. the prayer, the 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 prayer that he's saying that they prayed for him. Now he's reminding them again. Uh, resting in prayer that you may stay firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. Um, yep, and then all the da, 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 and then all and then sort of all the less. And but then Nick, it, it, it just reminds us, and I guess finally, that these are letters written from people to people, right? Not just not just the word of God spoken out of the sky, um, but a letter written, um, received, preserved for our good, for our benefit. But because it was a letter to people, to a place, we have to do the work right. of the interpretation. We have to realize Article. what was going on there before we can really go to the depths of the application. Absolutely critical. But we don't do that. You know, we talked about that, I think, last week. We don't do that. We just say, oh, here's what God says we're supposed to do Got for it. all time, period. And as you and I both have said often enough, there's a lot of things that God does say that about. But we got to figure it out. Yeah. We got to do the work. We got to, you know, see what's uh, going on here. So, all right, folks, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this series in Colossians. Um, we did. It feels like it was just yesterday, Nick, that we started this. And uh, where are we off to next? Who knows? Let's talk about it Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if there's anything in this passage you want to talk about Tuesday, we'll see you along for the ride and talk to you later. Have a great one. Take care, Bye. everyone.